Hey guys, welcome to Let's Get After It. Today is a very special episode because I have a co-host here with me today, Elise Khalifa, who is the marketing manager here at LaunchNet. Hi everyone. Hi, thanks for having me, Cindy. Oh my gosh, of course. Um, also joining us today, we have another special guest, Dan Hampoo, who is the president and CEO of Burton D. Morgan Foundation. How are you today? I'm great. How are you too? Amazing. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, of course. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Man, that's a deep question. Uh, <laughs> <Dan> <laughs> Who is Dan Well, Hampton? that is my Twitter. Uh, <laughs> that's, if that's still used by anybody, that's my Twitter name. But um, Dan Ampu, president and CEO of the Burton D. Morgan Foundation in Hudson, Ohio. Um, I was born and raised in Alliance, Ohio, and spent my whole life so far in the 77 North Corridor. So <clears throat> went to a private high school in Cleveland and then went to Mountain Union for undergrad, getting a marketing degree and a whole slew of other minors and concentrations that are in business. Um, and then went to the University of Akron for, oh gosh, I forgot. Yeah, don't, don't hate me. I went to the University of Akron <laughs> for my law degree and my uh, master's of business. Cool. Yeah. Um, so what is your role here at Burton D. Morgan Foundation? So I, uh, as the president and CEO, um, my job is to work with the board to uh, get a clear understanding of what the vision is for the foundation. And then what are we going to do in terms of planning to make sure that that vision is achieved? Uh, so working very closely with the staff to execute on the mission of the foundation. Um, to support organizations uh, like we've done with uh, in typically the adult, youth, and collegiate spaces that are serving organizations that support entrepreneurship. Yeah, so is that like how it ties into LaunchNet with the entrepreneurial part? Yeah, so LaunchNet, LaunchNet has been a key partner of ours for uh, many years. Um, and it's one of those in the collegiate entrepreneurship space that we, that we fund. Um, so that's where... Our, our names on on the on the suite on the in in, in the it's in a lot of places yeah it's, it's in a it's lot everywhere. of places but here it's at the design innovation hub and um, we've got a special suite so mm -hmm. yeah so you've been involved with a lot of different organizations startups themselves all around the northeast Ohio area do you mind like expanding on how you kind of got your start in the entrepreneurial ecosystem here yeah um, so while at um, while at the University of Akron getting my, my law degree and my MBA, um, I knew that I didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, some, some things that kind of stood out for me while I was in school was they had specific dress codes for appearances before judges, and I was like, as tiny as that may seem, I was like, yeah, this doesn't fit me. <laughs> like, I don't want to wear black suits, white shirts, and uh, single-color ties or pretty uniform ties, and it's just one thing that kind of represents where where I could have gone in the legal profession that I knew I didn't want to go. So while in the MBA program and the law program, I constantly was thinking, like, what is something different that not many of my friends were doing? Um, and one of those things that just piqued my interest was entrepreneurship, venture capital, uh, management consulting. Those were kind of three buckets. And fortunately, there is an organization at the University of Akron called the University of Akron Research Foundation that hosted an event called Archangels, where uh, startups got to pitch. Um, four times a year, they would host four startups to come pitch and ask for resources. 
basically fell in love with what I saw there and found ways to get involvement with the University of Akron Research Foundation. So while in school, I got a graduate assistant uh, graduate assistantship supporting commercialization efforts of technologies at the at the university and then one thing led to another where i that introduced me to a, a lot of companies of varying sizes one of which is one that i'm still involved with called fontis blue um, which is founded by a university of akron faculty member uh, who spun out a spun out a company based off of the technology and his expertise and we've been slowly growing that. So <clears throat> I was graduate assistant at uh, UARF, accumulated some uh, practice as a professor at the University of Mountain Union, as well as teaching a semester or two at the University of Akron in the entrepreneurship program, and then got involved with the startup company where I was the chief operating officer uh, there, and then from there got involved with some venture capital activities, both nonprofit VC activities as well as for-profit venture capital activities. Um, so yeah, just kind of getting a little bit of all, all yeah. angles yeah. of entrepreneurship yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from tech to non-tech for-profit, non-profit, venture backed, non-venture backed, uh, little, little kids starting businesses <laughs> all the way up to, uh, people that are much, much, uh, more experienced. So, <laughs> yeah. Good uh, way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with this like extensive background and all this like experience that you've had so far, like how has this helped transition you into the role that you're in right now? That's a great question. Um, I feel pretty comfortable with the, I'm never comfortable completely with all of the different subject matter uh, that you could potentially explore, but I feel pretty comfortable about entrepreneurship uh, education and what it, what it takes to grow, start and grow a business and raise capital. So I think that's where my value comes into the foundation in this role is um, not necessarily being from philanthropy. Um, so I, I have knowledge of what we fund, but I don't necessarily have knowledge of traditional philanthropy. So mm -hmm. I'm learning about traditional philanthropy. I'm also always learning new things about entrepreneurship and different types of businesses and different types of funding structures so is there a certain area of that that you enjoy more that you like gravitate more towards um man that's a good question <laughs> I, I don't know i mean i i i really like helping i really like a combination of two things when some when a founder has a, a clear vision uh, not only for their business but also for what that business has uh, how it how it impacts them individually I really like when uh, when a business and an individual have a vision for the entity and for themselves, and then I love being able to support them in executing to make that vision come to reality. So one of my favorite quotes um, is is um, each morning, I I can't remember who actually said it, but it's every every morning I wake up and I first I I'm going to screw this up now. First I dream of my paintings, then I paint my dreams. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's a Van Gogh quote, um, and it's just so powerful because that's the type of that's the type of entrepreneur that I like to work with. Where it's mm -hmm. like, here's my vision. Okay, now that I've got my vision for the business and how that business vision impacts me, how do we actually go paint it? Yeah, um, yeah. So it was one, Van Gogh. Yeah, it's a, it's a really <laughs> good quote. Um, it's a really good quote. Yeah. So, like, how do you feel like you yourself have grown on like an entrepreneurship journey? Uh, a lot. I mean, every, every day is just every, I view every day as a growing opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
people may hate it or may like it, but I love to I love to read, and I love to apply what I read from people that are much smarter than I am and have done way more. But each, it's funny that you that you mentioned growth. So like every step of every journey that I've ever been on, whenever I'm looking at the next journey, I'm always looking at like how how am I going to grow in this next role? So. And then I'm always thinking like, okay, is that an experience that I want to accumulate? Is that something that I currently have have no or little experience doing? Yeah. Uh, or something that I have some experience doing, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. So like at the University of Akron Research Foundation, I didn't have, I had some some experience running nonprofit and supporting from a advisor role, mm -hmm. supporting businesses, but I hadn't been running a for-profit. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, um, me and me and Chris, the founder of Fontis, I was like, hey, if you ever need help actually growing this, like, I'd love to help. Yeah. Um, and I didn't say like, hey, I've got all this experience like yeah. running the business, <laughs> but like, I'm a really quick learner and I'm a really quick yeah. applier of things that I learn. And so that was like a step, growth yeah. step, and then it put me into a lot of uncomfortable situations that, I, and I use uncomfortable very loosely. Like yeah. anytime I feel like I'm uncomfortable, I'm like I'm growing. Yeah. Um, and so good perspective well, to have <laughs> like, if I feel comfortable I'm not doing something right exactly uh, yeah another really f another quote that I really love is Mario Andretti uh, says if if everything seems under control you're just not going fast enough yeah uh, <laughs> so like that's where I I do have a propensity to align a lot with that so going from Fontis and then looking at okay I've got this experience and I think I've added value but I I think there might be another way for me to add even more value and still be able to continue adding value in that context. Transition out of the day-to-day -day of Fontis and start doing more with venture capital for profit. And it's like, okay, what am I going to learn in that opportunity? Yeah. Well, that's going to be learning how to sell people investing their money for a re return. Something I didn't have a ton of experience yeah um, but I was in the space like yeah. I was doing stuff in venture capital and entrepreneurship we'd raised a little bit of money with Fontis but it was a different depth so I dove in there so every I, I feel like every single role I've taken faculty member had not had mm -hmm. not taught at a university yeah. I had taught in various settings um, <clears throat> but not in a formal capacity so I viewed it as like, okay, I'm going to have to put together a syllabus. I'm going to have to think yeah. about what are the weekly assignments if I do it yeah. that way. What are the projects that we're going to that we're going to do, and then how am I going to grade those? And then are those actually pushing the students forward to, towards what we want them to accomplish? Mm -hmm. um, so I always view things as like, how is this going to push me outside of my comfort zone? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you like spoke about like nonprofit and for profit and. Not many people know like entrepreneurial spirit can be for nonprofit too. So, do you have any advice about how to go about a nonprofit in an entrepreneurial way? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of nonprofit new ventures mm -hmm. as well as for-profit new ventures. They just are are different. So, um, nonprofits you don't you're not in it for returning dollars to shareholders. Yeah. You're not you're in it for a different reason. You're in it for impact. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't have this obligation or desire to really grow for distribution distributions to yeah. shareholders. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and I'd say it really nonprofit entrepreneurship has really grown in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. I couldn't point to stats, but it just anecdotally, there's been a lot of new nonprofits. Yeah. And 
I think it's really interesting the blend between like uh, capitalism and nonprofit. I don't view them as exclusive. So like I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of opportunity and companies are even doing it where for profits are taking more responsibility to do things that may have traditionally been taken care of by nonprofits. So not just thinking about the bottom line, but actually thinking about what's their impact on community, on society, on fill in the blank important issue. Um, and I think that's a really unique perspective of trying to like yeah. blend the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to circle back really quick because considering some of the students who are listening to this and as they're trying to figure out what major they want to pursue during their undergrad and even plans for their graduate degree, you mentioned that you got your law degree and your MBA and then you told in that story that you decided you don't want to be a lawyer like you knew that wasn't for you so how have you kind of seen those degrees play into your current career they definitely help I mean there's not I don't know if there's a day that goes by where I don't use some aspect of my law degree Mm -hmm. um, which I knew like I was like hey I'm going to be able to use this in venture capital. There's all sorts of documents that go that need to be circled on both the investor side as well as the uh, entrepreneur side. As an entrepreneur, you're you're dealing with all the. I won't go through all of it, but there's a lot (laughs) of legal stuff that is involved in venture capital and starting a company. So, although I don't practice law, like going to a uh, going to a practice and represent individuals or entities, I still get to leverage a lot of the stuff that I've learned in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the MBA program, most MBA programs and, and more have some sort of entrepreneurship track or at, at least a little bit more uh, course focus around supporting entrepreneurship. But when I, when I was getting my MBA, there wasn't that much. So they taught mostly principles that supported bigger businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think there's applicability in those you can yeah, take what sure. you learn, and I'm I'm using how to review financial statements. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I use that every every week, um, <laughs> which was something we spent quite a bit of time personally. Uh, I majored in fine I majored in finance as part of my MBA program, so a lot of the stuff that I learned in finance also has applicability to like your home and your personal life. Like how are you yeah. how are you thinking about your personal finances? Um, so there's applicability across the board. Um, But again, I think that's also a mindset like not everybody wants to find the ways you can either look for path like you look what you find for another good quote. You look what you find for Um, not my quote, somebody else's. Um, But you look what you find for you look what you find or you find what you look for. Um, So if you look for opportunities to apply the things that you take on it. (laughs) No, that's the real. (laughs) That's not it. Uh, You find what you look for. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so the same thing applies with education. Like, again, I every single time I read a book, the day that I'm reading it, I'm like, there's an opportunity for me to apply what I just yeah. listened to yeah. like, or what I just read. Yeah. Um, like this I, podcast. Like, like this <laughs> podcast. Hopefully somebody <laughs> takes something away. Yeah, start applying, you guys. <laughs> um, so wait, you were talking about like books and stuff that you've read though like do you have any book in particular that like has impacted you the most there's too many but there are (laughs) i mean the the books that i'm focused on right now the books that i'm really focused on applying right now um personally i I really there's a book called think and grow rich by napoleon hill Mm -hmm. which um as it relates to personal development is a really simple it's a long read but it's it's really impactful if you decide to practice it. 
a book that that was written in 1938. It's an older book, but it still applies. Like, and that book that was even older than that called uh, "As a Man Thinketh" by James Allen is probably the best pound for pound book I've ever read. It's like 80 pages oh. of like type 24 font. It's like, oh, or, wow. if, or if you get the <laughs> smaller one, it's like 35 pages <laughs> or something. Pictures? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but it's it just it talks about how again this from a personal standpoint it talks about how how much your mindset impacts literally everything you do from your health to your wealth to your um to your relationships to your perspective on life and i i every single line in that book is like platinum it's just really really good yeah um one of my favorite books in business um just because it's like a narrative it's not a it's not a textbook is shoe dog which is by the by the founder of nike and so it just it talks about his journey um from literally starting Nike in the basement of his parents' house with yeah. waffle makers and <laughs> rubber. <laughs> it's, and then there's some really interesting stories in there, but that's wow. a really good book just for like reading pleasure, but also very informative. Yeah. And right now I'm working, I'm not working through, but I'm applying a book called The Four, <clears throat> the Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive by Patrick Lencioni which talks about, so there's layers that you, in, a, in various leadership roles, there's various things you always have to concern, like strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the vision and how do we get there? That's very meat and potatoes. And then there's the, how do you support managing people and how do you support the culture of the organization? So this book is on the second thing. It's all about like, how do you support, how do you get the organization moving yeah. along the, the path that you've set in your strategy? And so it's just a really good book. Um, and so... I actually have the card in my pocket of the four principles, the four <laughs> obsessions. It's a really good, it's a really good book, but there's too many. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think those are great examples. Yeah. And it's nice seeing that someone in a leadership position like yours is actively like trying to have that mindset towards growth and researching yeah. and com- consistently learning. As Every day. About this. Every day. Nice. And it's fun when <clears throat> it's, and it's not, I don't books in particular, because you, you have to layer they provide the context they do mm-hmm. research so there's it's a different form of content consumption uh, there's value in podcasts there's values in blogs there's value in other other, other short form tweets articles yeah. blogs there's there's all there's value in all of these books there's even more intentionality that goes into it from the author so mm-hmm. um, i find that to be a, a good challenge to actually like stick through a book and a practice i've started more recently is like it's okay also to just put the book down if it sucks. Like, <laughs> That's I, true. Or yeah. if it just doesn't jive with you, like, I don't like yeah. this. Like, this book just, I'm not going to waste my time just reading for reading's sake. Yeah. Um, which I, I used to just read books. I put set goals for myself. Like, I want to read this many books this year, and then I just read books, even if I, even and there were books like that I'm them. like, I really don't like this book. Why <laughs> am I reading it? <laughs> I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Good practice day for it. Put down a book if you don't if you don't yeah, like it. If you don't it. like yes. it, put it you down. Heard it Wise words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so along this journey of learning and all your different roles and positions you've taken on, what are some mistakes you've made and what you've learned from them? Again, I think <laughs> every day I make mistakes, which I don't view them as mistakes though. I view them all mm-hmm. as these are they could be big learning opportunities or they could be small learning opportunities. Um, but I, I wrote a few down because when you asked this question, I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mention any that would be like real bad, <laughs> but I don't want to mention any that are like too small. So um, <clears throat> there's been small things of just not getting 
not getting paperwork submitted on time, which mm-hmm. yeah, have, those can have small impacts or big impacts. Um, a lot dealing with managing people um, in the past. People whether are hard. People, people <laughs> yeah. are, well, people aren't hard, but it, I mean, you just have to have the, you have to be empathetic for where they're at. And mm-hmm. um, the right that, skills, yeah. That takes the right mindset. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so some of the things that I have a tendency to just, um, I don't think anybody I've ever worked with would ever say I'm a micromanager. That's has its pros and its cons. Yeah. <laughs> I can agree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> and Elise having worked with me in the past, like I, I don't micromanage, but it does have its pros and its cons. Um, and so I would view some of that, not with Elise, hopefully, but <laughs> there's been some, there's been some moments in there where there's been small failures where I'm like, I probably should have done a better job, uh, supporting an individual on a particular uh, case, uh, or something that they were working on. But, and I do think I've grown from it. So, yeah. uh, and then I've had some other bigger ones where it's been like, <clears throat> and those are, those are perhaps the best learning ones where you mm-hmm. get a two by four to the face because of the size of the mistake or the potential of a mistake that you then have the opportunity to correct. And so I I told one of my current teammates, like, I love tough conversations for that reason, because you advance really quickly when you have tough conversations. So board member or uh, board member uh, in in the startup company and I, we, we were trying to think about what's the best way to handle a particular thing for shares. And super sensitive subject and like why beat around the bush just come out and get to the end (laughs) and it ended up being a really good for all of us as individuals as well as for the entity to just really push like catapult the organization forward so don't shy away from tough conversations they're usually where the biggest growing opportunity is yeah you're you're not gonna get anywhere if you beat around the bush like it happens yeah but don't be a jerk like yeah yeah. (laughs) well yeah don't forget the empathy piece of it (laughs) um so going off of like you guys work together like how was it like alize how was he as like a boss i take my hands off (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i have to think back i'm like wow this was a long time ago um No, so I interned under Dan with the University of Akron Research Foundation and the Northeast Ohio Student Venture Fund when I was an undergrad at Akron. And I honestly really appreciate both experiences because A, they just introduced me to that startup ecosystem, which I had no idea like how massive and like how many people were a part of it in Northeast Ohio. So I appreciate it from that aspect. But working with Dan directly, I agree he was not a micromanager, (laughs) which... I personally appreciate it because I'm someone who can take a task and kind of run with it. At least I like to think so. (laughs) But it especially gave me that like leeway and freedom to explore my creativity with like designing different materials and helping come up with like strategies for getting the word out about these different opportunities on campus. But it was really that like starting point for, okay, I really like these aspects of marketing and design and I want to continue doing those moving forward. So I think that's why I appreciate most of working with Dan is that he gives you that leeway to explore those new ideas and kind of just run with it. Yeah. And how was it working with Elise? Yeah, how was it? Who was your favorite answer? <laughs> Who was my favorite? <laughs> well, I have to run There's only one the... right answer. <laughs> no, it was it was a lot of fun working with Elise. Um, and it, it actually catapulted again. I think this was a growing opportunity, but it, it's always a two-way street. And um, Elise had some skills that I knew I didn't have. <clears throat> and it was a very comfortable thing to be like, hey, this is a project that I like 
I'd like to explore. And then to see Elise just kind of run with it and produce really cool stuff. Like basically at the time, I think it was like, hey, Elise, we need to have this. We need to have like marketing done, like marketing, <laughs> not, mar- not a marketing plan. We just, just need marketing. to have like we need to have the, the day to day and week to week marketing done to make sure that we get enough students and enough people in the door for mm-hmm. the student venture fund, as an example. And it was great to not have to be like, and here are all the steps that we have to walk through. Like, yeah. And I have had that experience where you have to literally walk step yeah. by step through everything. It was like, no, here's again, here's the end goal. Here's the vision. I trust you to figure out how to do it. And if you've got a problem, to, I'm available. Yeah. Um, but have fun. Like. <laughs> Be creative, just and she was. <laughs> we were just talking before he came in here about one of the the, the characters that Elise cre- created that were became informal uh, mascots of the University of Akron Research Foundation, and it was just this project. It was just yeah. like yeah. have some free, have some creativity around our brand. Yeah. What would you do? Yeah. <laughs> They're still there. What, what were their na- What were their names? They were Linus and Lucy. They were light bulbs. They were cute little light bulbs. <laughs> they wore Vans. <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> no, it was fun. I got to like go into Illustrator and stuff and like physically draw them out like all by myself. On so Illustrator? Yeah. It, like I said, it was a really good entryway <laughs> point for me to figure out what I enjoy. So and, and I, I picked up on <clears throat> I, I owe a lot to the folks at the Research Foundation because it's a model that they had there that was like bring bring people into conversations that they may or may not they should or should not be in. Yeah. So like my very first, like as a graduate assistant, my, my f- like first day on the, on the job at UARF, I was basically the, my boss at the time was like, Hey, you're coming to lunch with me. I was like, okay, cool. Where are we going? And he's like, just <laughs> come on. And then we get to lunch and at the table is like no prep work, nothing, nothing, no like <laughs> heads up. We get there and it's the, the president of the university of Akron. It's the, the oh, wow. commissioner for summit County it's multiple other high, higher level University of Akron folks. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, why am I at this table? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so every I've tried to <clears throat> I've tried to always allow for that ability, like bring bring people into conversations that maybe they wouldn't think they'd get that exposure to. And then also yeah. on the work side, be like, is this something that you you may or may not have the opportunity to do? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because working for various other companies, they might say, like, this is what I need you to do. Yeah. That's – other people can provide that experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've touched on this, like, a little bit, but how have you learned, like, as a leader versus as, like, a team member and, like, a follower, like, going through your whole entire years of experience? It's all experiential. <laughs> <laughs> it was an experience. For sure. Yeah, it was, it's definitely yeah. – it's, it's, it's just an experience. Um <clears throat> So as a team member, um, I did, I learned from the value of like understanding how I can impact an organization. So, and then when you're given the reins to do something, the impact that you can have. Um, but there's a lot of, and, and there's a lot of benefit that come into teamwork components of that. You've developed such a close relationship that you're able to pick up the phone. I'm still able to pick up the phone and just was talking with Elise last night, Elise Ball from the mm-hmm. University of Akron Research Foundation. I ha- I don't get to see her nearly as much as as I used to, but yeah. like we developed such a good working relationship and such a, I mean, it was so familial and like a team, it was so tight as a team. I just called her last night. I'm like, I don't really have anything to talk to you about. I was just, <laughs> just you, ping me on, you ping me on a, on a text message. I was like, this is worth 30 minutes to just chat about. Um, and it was like we, it was like, 
I just saw her yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So, and while we were working as uh, as we were working as colleagues, there were those times where when you when you know the vision and you know what your roles are, you become so comfortable that you can do those types of things in a uh, in an operational setting. So, like there were times Elise and I were working on grant opportunities at uh, 11 p.m., which mm-hmm. again, like that may seem like torture and nowadays it probably wouldn't be good for me because i got kids but i used not (laughs) but it was just like hey we like this is crunch time let's go um and that's that's the fun part about i think being a team member yeah as a leader i've had to again i've got informal training from uh most of the folks that i worked with at the research foundation were retired executives or leaders in various departments at uh companies so it was learning by osmosis, like being in the room with them, seeing how they managed meetings, seeing how they set up structures, seeing how they identify goals uh, and how they then work towards them. And then just continuing to advance. How do you improve, really, how do you improve your strategy, setting, identifying a vision, setting the vision, and then clearly communicating the plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then over communicating the plan and then making sure that everybody's on the same page. That's probably been one of the another growth thing for me is just recognizing how much has to be communicated. And COVID <clears throat> I was on a panel this morning, and, and COVID really ex- forced you to do even more of that, just yeah. because of a lot of people were. We didn't know if you were gonna like. We were we were like, hey, we have got four months of runway. Like, yeah. we got up our communication so that everybody knows the reality of where we're at and where we're going and how mm-hmm. much we have to really tighten it up and get to work Um, yeah gotta get after it you have to get you gotta get after it (laughs) we all have to get after it um so speaking of getting after it (laughs) um in your words like how would you describe an entrepreneur or someone who has that mindset yeah i i thought about this i actually looked up the definition after (laughs) i after i came up with like mine i'm like Mm -hmm. okay so i view an entrepreneur as somebody who basically identifies an opportunity and takes above average risks yeah uh, yeah with with the expectation that there's going to be some some outsized reward for the risk that you're taking and that was relatively close to what i found as like the definition the only thing that uh that was missing was part about resources so like mm-hmm. identifying the appropriate resources like launch net like <laughs> like launch net or <clears throat> or people yeah people, launch net consultants yeah. you name it uh and then kind of leading leading the uh the use of those resources so mm-hmm. but i mean that's my mindset has always been where's there an opportunity where's yeah. there something that's broken that i can fix where is something broken where from the investor's perspective what's this entrepreneur fixing that is broken and I do like somebody once told me that um, it's always better to have a painkiller than it is to have a vitamin um, <laughs> because if if your yeah. leg hurts you're gonna take a Tylenol or you're gonna take yeah. an leave but unless you get into a habit of taking mm-hmm. a multivitamin or a supplement of X Y or Z yeah that's not a must-have uh, yeah. it's a must-have if you <laughs> if you get to a certain pain threshold if yeah. you pass a certain pain threshold so that's where like looking at oppor- there's opportunities in both don't get me wrong like yeah. you can people sold a rock for god's sakes like that's not a pain uh, <laughs> but yeah, i personally have found that it's much easier to sell when you're selling a painkiller versus a vitamin yeah yeah those flintstones vitamins man 
not Whoa, worth it. No, they'd be doing the most. <laughs> my ki- my kids still take those. <laughs> yeah, but the gummy or the chalky ones? The chalky ones. The oh, chalky no. ones. Yeah. yeah. Wow, those ones hurt. <laughs> those <laughs> ones you need a painkiller for. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Your chaser is the Um... <laughs> So going off um, your, like, description of entrepreneur and, like, how you would describe them, how would you, like, give your best advice to improve or, like, to start your own business? I'm a big believer of uh, being customer-focused and getting customer feedback. So if you haven't started a, com- uh, haven't started a company, identify who would potentially buy your product or, or seek your solution, your service, mm-hmm. and then go – either go talk to them or try and sell it to them like Mm -hmm. get and then use the feedback and then in every step of the every step of your journey continue to just go back to what does my customer how does this help my customer yeah Uh, how does this further my customer Mm -hmm. um so really being customer focused and then i would say uh, i've been somewhat preaching this to friends and uh folks that are still at Fontis and in the VC community, I'm like, I think one thing I would really encourage entrepreneurs to do is think about what is the return on the investment of your time? Mm -hmm. Um, Because like there is, there is a dollar figure associated with this and entrepreneurship is hard. So like make sure that you may not, you're, you may not hit what you want but make sure you've at least detailed it out and there is the potential for it and there's a pre there's a premium on the potential Mm -hmm. because it's hard like yeah why if you're just using just use a 50 grand or something as just a baseline if you're if you've got five years and your expected salary from working a job is fifty thousand dollars and you've got a business i sure would hope that this that the business opportunity is going to give you greater than that greater than the sum of that over a five-year period with a pretty significant premium or else I'd really want to gut check on like, is this worth it? Cause it's going to be tough. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you have to, I just, people need to recognize that. But again, yeah. it goes back to you identify an opportunity and then you take a risk. And with yeah. that risk comes an outsized reward, reward, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but just really being clear on that uh, yeah. as you think through that. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Especially if you're going to do it full time. Like there's one thing if you want to pursue it as a side hustle, yep. but if you're going full time, Definitely. Even side hustle, though, always think about like what is the what is the return on my invested time, on my invested dollar. Like I feel like sometimes those can be a little more of those passion projects sure. as well. So if you're getting a good feeling out of it, I feel like run with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm with you. Just be just be cognizant because for sure, for time sure. is our most limited resource. Yeah, <laughs> that it is. Very true. Um, so. You've heard a lot of pitches in your lifetime. I'm sure you've done a lot of pitches as well. Um, a lot of like our events are centered around pitching. <laughs> and uh, the students, they always need practice of that, especially if they are working on a business or a side hustle. So what is your best advice for pitching? My best advice is to wear flip-flops with no socks. <laughs> you guys do not listen that's to that's a joke. That is not the best that's, advice. That's a joke because Elisa and I did put together a top 10 of like what not to do. Oh, I was going to say, did somebody <laughs> show up wearing flip-flops with no This socks? was a joke, but there have been, there have been a lot of examples of what not to do. Yes. Um, so, I mean, 
That was just that. a joke because Elise and I literally had that as like a top ten <laughs> what not to do. Another one was like was just show up those. not prepared. Like that's a really yeah. good thing to do as a yeah. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. a twenty slide pitch deck. <laughs> with with a thousand words per slide. And read um, directly off of it. Have yeah. point light, eleven fonts. <laughs> light blue text on white background. Like oh, make it really Forget hard to read. Accessibility. <laughs> we don't need that. Yeah. So take all of these as things not to do. (laughs) Uh, One of the things I think is the most important is just know your stuff. Like you should have some, have it, have the, the overview be rehearsed and know your stuff, but don't have it be scripted. Like Mm -hmm. don't memorize, uh, don't memorize. Um, It's much more genuine to just know, okay, these are the talking points I'm going to hit on. Yeah. This is an overview of the company. Here's the customer. Here's the customer's problem. Here, like, go through those things and know your stuff inside and out. Know your numbers. Know mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. know your product. But don't have it be overly rehearsed. Um, and then I would just again, I'd go back to the comment a few minutes ago. Know the impact of making a pitch. Like, what's the reason for making a pitch? If you're pitching for yeah. investment, then you need to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. Why are they? Why would they want to take on? your company yeah, uh, yeah. and think about it from your company not just your product which is always a little bit diff- a little different but if you're pitching for investment you're essentially asking them to buy in on I'm I'm expecting that I can deliver you 10x on your money yeah like so understand who you're pitching to understand why they're gonna yes. give you why why they would want to give you money um, and then think through and know your stuff on those answers yeah um, so yeah, yeah that's great yeah. advice yeah i yeah. think knowing your audience is a huge, huge. piece yeah. of it because it's, it's gonna tailor your pitch just that much well, yeah you and you, you want it to be like organic you want it to come out like naturally so it's not like oh like this is fact 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 and then if somebody asks you a question then you're like stuck yeah so, i literally and again on this if you're given to time if you're like hey you get 10 minutes don't don't script it but practice to ensure that you're going to be done yeah within the time frame like yeah. again know your audience yes um but it was one example one of the reasons why we came up with this top 10 reasons top 10 things (laughs) not to do was there was one situation where a person was pitching and it was like hey you have 10 minutes to pitch they started and it was like you could tell it was scripted and you're like okay there's something happened there was like technical difficulties we were like hey like no one could hear you you need to restart they literally did the exact same. <laughs> like word for word. word I mean, word for word, <laughs> oh two minutes of the exact same. And we're sitting there going, this is not good. <laughs> yeah. Like, because well, it's like, it's a no. I mean, it was, I mean, it was so, <laughs> it was so, <laughs> so scripted. It was like hit play. I mean, it was that scripted. Oh, yeah. It was like, you could have just had a robot up there. Yeah. yeah. Just play. recording. <laughs> <laughs> they just basically recorded it. Yeah. Lip sync. Yeah. <laughs> Give me one minute. And pray. Play. <laughs> yeah. No one can see me moving my mouth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they had a mask on too. <laughs> how are you? How would you know? How would you know? How would they know? No, this person did not have a mask. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. No. I like if you want somebody to stay interested, you want it to be like organic. You want it to be natural. You want it to flow nice, but like also you want to know what you're talking about. And I think that's a great like piece of advice for yeah. the students. <laughs> two two other things I just mentioned is again the why. Yeah. So like and not just the I want to be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, I want this product. Buy to, why you do it? Yeah, but like the real reason why. Yeah. Um, so like we when 
one of the questions you asked was around startup bus and one of the products that we pitched was um, like we had to pitch multiple times over and over as we rode a bus across the country the product that we landed on was a retrofit kit for vehicles so this was like eight, eight years ago but it was a retrofit kit for vehicles that would sit on your dashboard and tell you when you when you may be falling asleep or when you may be distracted oh, cool. and the reason why like the the why behind this and part of our pitch was a, a personal story was I fell asleep at the wheel when I was 16 years old. I hit head on with another car going 60 miles per hour, flipped my car, oh my ended up upside down, got life flighted. Like doctors said, you shouldn't be here. So my wow. why for this pitch was I don't want other kids or other professionals, yeah. business professionals who yeah. are driving like crazy to have this be a concern. And this was before lane detection and yeah. um I still think there's a potential market for this because not all cars have yeah, it. Yeah, um, like truck drivers. Truck drivers, That's business like professionals, yeah. and, and uh, but it was a really good fit for like young individuals who have hand-me-down cars for sure. <clears throat> that probably wouldn't have this technology. So that was our reason why. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I always think is powerful with, it, uh, with pitches is when you have numbers, especially big numbers, put them into context. So contact, or context, sorry. So... One person, I, I always remember this pitch because they were talking about, like, the number of people that die from, I think it was malaria in a, uh, I think it was a day, and it was, like, 100,000 people or something. Oh, wow. Don't quote me on it. But the core of this story was they, they referenced that number as, like, this would be, like, the entire horseshoe at the Ohio State, f the Ohio State football stadium oh my gosh. gone. Oh and, my I gosh. mean, that, yeah. con that puts it way more into yes, context than right. just – hundred thousand yeah um, you can visualize it. you can visualize yeah. it so if you're able to when you're pitching if you're able to put a picture to the put to the numbers or to yeah. the words it just brings things real quickly to yeah like we use we even did that in our pitch regarding the retrofit dash cam because mm -hmm. we would say close your eyes mm -hmm. do you know how far like if you're going 60 miles an hour do you know how far you go in that <laughs> like when you just if yeah. you fall yeah. off if you fall asleep for a literally a second mm -hmm. you're traveling quite a bit of distance yeah um <clears throat> i don't want to quote i don't know i don't remember what the number one but it's like a football field it's like if you're going fast enough it's like a football field it's Poof. crazy just yeah. fall asleep for a, a second or two and yeah you could be <laughs> so far down the road yeah. right wow and you don't even know what's in front of you no yeah that's crazy yeah, so how was, but like speaking out, like buspreneur. <laughs> like I tossed you a softball. <laughs> yeah, starting, starting with the startup bus, how was it? Like, can you tell us what it was to be a buspreneur? It was, um, <laughs> I would say it was, it was one of the most transformational experiences of my life. In a good, in a good, in a good no, 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 in a good way. I mean, it's, <clears throat> again, if you have an open mind, um, yeah. there are, there are oddities of, doing it but essentially like we got on a bus in akron there were about 20 of us that got on a bus and then we went from akron to boulder colorado in yeah, about wow. four days we stopped at four different places yeah each each time we had to pitch but when you got on the bus you basically everybody had to get up and pitch everybody you huh. had to get up in the front of the like they'd start the bus they'd be like okay you're gonna stand up you're gonna tell your name and While then you're gonna moving? pitch yeah. Oh, oh this gosh. was all moving. I get dizzy. And, yeah, <laughs> I you had to stand up and then motion pitch. Motion sickness. <laughs> and then ours was a maker bus, so we even had like 3D printers and stuff that were on the bus that oh, we wow. tried to calibrate. We had people that were writing code that were sending the code to the place that we were going to have it be printed, have a 
have a prototype be printed. That's so cool. So like That's it was insane. literally like, is there a problem that we can try to solve and put together a pitch and start pitching that over this time frame that could lead to individuals wanting to embark on this journey post startup bus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, like we we three D printed a we three D printed what we thought would be the the dashboard. Yeah. The, yeah. What howls the dashboard can we can. We mm-hmm. actually were trying to find cameras and whatnot because we had um, Raspberry Pi. Or what are they? Raspberry Pis? The yeah, the yeah, coding yeah. things. Yeah. So we had some of those on the bus, and then we were sending 3D printed um, instructions to the printers that were in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. We we're like, okay, when we get here, we hope that it's ready. They weren't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it threw that us was. off for what we had, how we made our final pitch, but it was okay. But it was just really fun because you get you get thrown into like. <clears throat> Here's a team of three to four people yeah. that are all on the on this literal journey across this, the yeah, country. Yeah, an absolute journey. Yeah. And every single we stopped in Cincinnati and Dayton, looked at some maker spaces and, and places. We stopped in St. Louis. Uh, we I think we stopped in Kansas City, and then our final stop was in Boulder. Uh, which and then wow. all of these buses from other places. That was the cool part. We were just one of seven buses, oh. so there was a bus that was going to Boulder mm-hmm. from. San Francisco, there was a bus going to Boulder from Austin, San Jose, Um, I can't remember it, New York, there was a New York bus and there was a Florida bus. So there were these seven buses that were all doing this at the same time. That's crazy. So on each bus you had somewhere between four and seven ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to practice your pitch, you got to refine your pitch, you got to do a little bit of work. And then uh, in Boulder, we had two different bigger pitch events and one was in like what would be like the civic theater yeah. uh, it was just a, a big theater where you had mm-hmm. to stand up and pitch and there were judges and we got second oh my gosh <laughs> Congratulations. We, got beat out by yeah. a, we got beat out by a project called tub, tub. which was an, it, tub. they were not from this is where it was a little bit unfair our bus from akron was the maker bus not all of the other buses were maker buses. They all had their own focus areas. This was a focus from Silicon Valley, and theirs was all about like software development and yeah. programming. Yeah. So they programmed, <clears throat> they programmed an app for Facebook that would uh, grab like your favorite news articles, and the the pitch was all about like we want to give you something to read while you're sitting in the tub, like. Uh, article they articles gone with the toilet. <laughs> they could have but i don't think that would have had the, as much toilet. of a ring <laughs> but the, it was a really good you pitch lost yeah it was a really good pitch so but awesome. it was it was really fun i would i recommended it i can't remember how much it um there was a cost to it at the time that we went um a lot of people got it um there was a sponsorship for it i don't know mm-hmm. if they still do that i haven't checked in on it recently but it was a really cool a really cool experience yeah, would yeah. you like do it again? <laughs> I I mean I would, but I I don't have the time to. That's the yeah. only thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it was such a cool, such a cool experience. Um, I got to share this with a team a teammate at the foundation, and they were blown away with just like the details and some of the yeah. stories that yeah. I was getting. Because it was also, I mean, you got into some pretty heated debates because oh, you're I literally bet. trying to, <laughs> you're trying to win this you're trying to oh, win so you're like crammed with these same people for four days for four yeah. days in a bus and did you guys sleep on the bus too no we had but we had places where we okay. where we stopped perfect um so it wasn't like no showers <laughs> like <laughs> that for, for no da- for four days so it's not as bad as it sounds um but it was really cool yeah but like how did you get back though did you have to take the bus back 
You walked. No, we flew. <laughs> we flew back. So, Most yeah. of us flew back. There was um, buses that went from Boulder to, um, I can't remember the name, Startup House or something. There's a place in San Francisco that hosted like a one-week optional stay oh. after Startup Bus if you wanted to go out there. I did not because I had worked that I needed to get, to get back to. But, yeah. Um, no, you just flew back. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Uh, so in your recent article you wrote on rowboats being greater than buses, did buspreneur impact that? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, it was really just impacted by Jim Collins and his book, Good to Great, which is a great book. And Jim Another Collins book. is an awesome author. He references you got to get people in the right seat mm-hmm. on the bus, um, in the right seat, right people in the right seats on the bus. And so much of what I've realized, whether it's in a startup company, like in, a, in any company, in any organization, <clears throat> it's better as a rowboat because you get an oar. Yeah. First and foremost, you get an oar, which implies that you have the power to actually make an impact on where the boat goes. Um, and then as it relates to alignment, it's a lot more representative of actually propelling something forward if somebody yeah. if if alize and i are in a kayak and alize throws her throws her oar overboard i have to i have to i have to i have to move her weight and my weight towards the goal yeah, yeah we she, didn't reach our steps today <laughs> sadly yeah. if she puts an oar out the side and just drags it in the water then our little kayak's going to turn and it's going to go off course of where we're going if she rows yeah. backwards and she's stronger than i am we'd end up going backwards yeah um so it's just and to me it, it doesn't matter if you're a startup company startup company if you do this startup organization if you do this you turn quicker and you go off of target a lot faster because it's smaller there's yeah. less people to influence it same thing happens though on a cruise ship if there's a thousand people on a cruise ship and you all have oars and one person throws it out technically the boat will probably move yeah. it'll be m- microscopic and how it moves off target but it's still not healthy for the organization yeah what you want is everybody in their in the right seat empowered with an oar and then rowing in the right direction in the right rhythm towards the towards the objective um so i just thought it was a much better and i recognize it when i'm sitting in the kayak with my three-year-old daughter at the time (laughs) and my my daughter's trying to help and i'm like this is a really interesting take on jim collins's bus analogy yeah Uh, yeah i read your thing you're right up on it and i like how you're just more team driven versus like in the bus you're kind of just like stuck following whoever the leader is you're stuck in the bus but in your scenario you have a say and you have an input in what's going on and what direction things are going you get an oar exactly (laughs) you get an oar (laughs) yeah um so now I have our most hard-hitting question for you. Yeah. Which is, if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? <laughs> he was getting ready. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I've been asked this question before. I can't remember if I said tiger. Um, <clears throat> but tiger's not really appropriate because that's too lone, too, too by yourself. Okay. I don't know. This is really hard-hitting. Yeah, yeah, I told you. Well, I mean, I... I I really like. Um, I really think honey badgers are cool, just because they're so gritty. Like you can. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Like they're they're not super cute, but they're they're just super resilient. They'll get it done. They get it done. Yeah. Uh, and regardless of what gets thrown their way, they'll <laughs> get, they'll just get it done. Yeah. And they like. There's instances where they like borderline die and come back to life because. <laughs> like, yeah. Like there's. They're vampires. 
No, they, they can, they, I don't know how it works, but if you, I mean, I've seen videos of, of honey badgers that have literally been like either knocked out or an animal thinks that they've killed it and then it just gets up and like runs, <laughs> runs away. away. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's no, crazy. It's, it's like, go ahead, try and kill me. You can't. <laughs> and like I think that's just, it's a, a really, it's an interesting mentality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I like that. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so we also have some. These pretty are, I like that tough hit. <laughs> yeah, we also have some pretty hard hitting questions. Okay. And it's rapid fire. Okay. okay. Um, flash or zippy? Oh, zippy. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're done. We're There's done. the Akron versus Kent game today. Oh, there believe, is for basketball? Yeah, I can't uh, believe you would say that. Wow. Zippy? I guess that's valid. She, she's won the Capital One mascot challenge. I mean, I guess that's valid. I'm a front runner. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, cats or dogs? Dogs. Oh. Favorite karaoke song? Oh god, <laughs> I think like this one is. Uh, it's Africa. Like, oh, bless the rains in Africa. Come on, classic. Because no a one's classic. gonna no one's gonna sing it really well, but a lot of people will try. <laughs> well, at Dishbanda, you went with Mr. Brightside. So, well, any Zach on that? went. Zach went with Mr. Brightside, oh, and I was Zach like, let's do it. this. Oh, you were just you were just in it for the ride. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> in it for a good time. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, light bulbs or rockets? Rockets. Interesting. Interesting. We'll have to follow up. With I've that. never had that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why later. Okay. <laughs> Not the Sorry, light bulbs. Linus and Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> light bulbs. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I just processed that. that. Hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and the last one. Uh, can we just have a quick soundbite of you beatboxing? Oh, was this literally <laughs> on there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Sure. That wow, the that's our new outro music. <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest. You don't have any royalties on that, do you? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm going to use it as our outro song. I'm just, that's awesome that you actually put it on there because I was like, ah, beatboxing before we started. Yeah, no, I love yeah. it. It's a great talent. I wish I could do it. One it, day I'll it, get there. Me and a friend of mine used to sit in high school and we used to be like, hey, how are we going to... He was he was even better than I am, but uh, there was a guy named Rozel who used to do some really cool stuff. Uh -huh. I, I wouldn't even attempt to try and do what Rozel <laughs> does now, but we used to attempt back then. But we just beatbox to everything. You put on anything in the car and just beatbox to it. That's <laughs> crazy. Nice. We'll get him on the podcast next. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a psychiatrist. <laughs> so he, he, so he turned this interview around on YouTube. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, tell me how you feel. We're not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can. Yeah, no. Maybe once the semester ends. All right, well, yeah, I, that's all of the questions that we have for you today. Thank you so much yeah, for thank joining you. us. Cool. This is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This thank was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a great time. Um, anyways, let's get after it. <laughs>